Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. You, it's a team effort, hey? Well done, Rachel, at communion. That's the first time she's done communion in church. Well done. And uh, we're regularly wanting to raise up more and more of our youth and young adults and and uh, people to uh, serve and minister. And uh, so yeah, tonight we've got at least 10 people lined up for baptism and we may have 12 yet. So uh, I had another lady saw me at the end of the first, can I get baptized? I really want to get baptized. So I gave her the notes. She said, you understand what it is? Yep, I'm ready. And so uh, we'll have uh, at least 10, maybe 12. So come along. We're going to do it under the cover out here and uh, spill out in the grass if it's fine. And uh, we've got our own special baptism pool. So it's going to be lots and lots of fun. Hey, that was exciting, Glory, about your heart rhythm. Over the last three years, I know at least four people that have been totally healed of that condition. I remember the night about three years ago and three people came out for prayer and two of them got healed there. One rang me the next morning, another one three days later. And every time we pray for that, there's a faith comes in my heart. For whatever reason, there's just a faith. And I say, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Maybe you're here today and you've got issues with your heart, with uh, blood flow or rhythm or blockages in your heart. I want to pray a prayer of faith right now. If that's you, just reach your hand to heaven. If you've got issues with your heart, just reach it up. Keep it up in the, in the air. I just believe for faith. Just keep it right up in the air right now. And if, turn around and find someone with their hand raised and we want to just surround them with faith right now. There, down the back, over in the middle. I just believe that God's giving faith for healing of people's physical hearts if, there's, if it's a rhythm issue or a blockage issue, or um, let's believe right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we agree together for your healing power. Lord, I pray for these people, Lord, that have issues with their heart, with their, with their rhythm or blockages, Lord, or strength in their heart where there's been, it's been weakened. If someone's had a, a weakened heart from an angina attack, and I just believe for strength to come in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe for your healing. Lord, someone has got issues, um, not just with their uh, heart, but there's a circulation issue that's a result of that. And they've got issues in their ankles or their feet or their hands because of circulation issues. I believe now in Jesus' name for your healing power. Lord, just reach out and do it again, Lord, in your grace and your love. Thank you for your freedom. Just ministering life and wholeness to people's bodies. Lord, they'll be able to exercise. They'll be able to do their work. They'll be able to serve their family and community. And minister, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are our provider. And for someone who's standing on behalf of someone who's not here right now, we believe for that healing to flow in the name of Jesus Christ. And we give you praise, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Let's give him praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wow, God is good. Let's take our seats. Last Sunday morning, we had... uh, Two people graduated from transformations. That was so exciting to celebrate. And I did a, a message on uh, John 14:6 last Sunday. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I was thinking about that some more this week. And I just, just was dwelling on that and thought, Lord, I want to just expound that a little bit more. But on the concept that Rachel spoke at communion about following Jesus closely because when we're close to Jesus we get the overflow of his healing presence when you're close to Jesus he's the prince of peace and you can't help but have peace touch your heart 
When you're following close to Jesus, you see him exercising that authority he did over the works of darkness. He uh, ex- cast out evil spirits, when he spoke peace to the storm, when he rose from the dead. When you're close to Jesus, his authority starts to get a hold of your heart and you're not just struggling and stumbling along, but there's an authority comes in your words and your prayer and your faith and your worship. The closer you get to Jesus, who he is overflows through your life. But there are many things that will try and keep you separated or at a distance and stuff gets between us and our walk with Jesus. And I believe that like Rachel said, God's calling us to follow him closely. John 8.12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. There's another one of the great I am statements. I think there's eight of them in the Gospels. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Wow, what an awesome promise. Will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Wow, if you're in darkness, you end up stumbling and you bang into things. I remember being on holidays a few times. You know, holiday unit. And you wake up during the night, you don't want to turn the light on and you don't want to wake everyone else up. But then you you bang into the door or you crash into this and you should have turned the light on because everyone's awake anyway after five, ten seconds when you banged into things. You stumble around in the dark. And we do that when we're not close enough to the light. It's shadows. And when there's shadows, things get distorted. And we're not quite sure what the reality is. But I've learned if I'm walking close to the presence of Jesus, his light fills my heart because he is the light of the world. And we don't stumble and bang into things and be uncertain or unclear. He says, I am the light of the world. But he says, whoever follows me. The inference is follow him closely, so that, but will have the light of life. I believe if you want to see and experience more than you've ever seen, you need to follow Jesus closely. Follow him close, not from a distance. Follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Follow Jesus' example. Walk in in the footsteps of Jesus. Love, forgiveness, grace, peace, truth, authority. I remember when uh, I had uh, Tim and uh, Stephen and Rachel were young, we'd go for a walk on the beach. And sure enough, one of the boys would be trying to walk in my footsteps. You know, about a three or four-year-old jumping and trying, oh, they're too big, you know, and just leaping from one because you've left footsteps. They're trying to follow in your footsteps because they want to be like their dad. And if we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, there's an excitement, there's a fulfillment, there's, there's light and life flowing through our hearts. 10 verse 2 is another one of the I am statements. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, the protector and provider. The doorkeeper opens the gate for this man, and the sheep hear his voice and pay attention to it. And knowing that they listen, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out to pasture. When he has brought all his own sheep outside, he walks on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice and recognize his call. Wow, we follow him closely when we recognize his voice and follow his call or direction. And I believe that in the midst of all the challenges of life, he's calling us. He's leading us. They will never follow a stranger but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 10. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have the full 
till it overflows. Well, God doesn't want you just making it through the day. He wants to have overflow in our hearts and our lives. You know, where there's plenty of challenges, but he wants overflow in your soul, in your heart. That's why I love coming to church. We pray, we worship, we get fired up with faith and testimonies and stories. You go out saying, yes, he rules, he reigns. And there's an overflow in your heart, no matter what might be around us or challenging us. It goes on in verse 14. I am the good shepherd and I know without any doubt those who are my own and my own know and have a deep personal relationship with me even as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my very own life sacrificing it for the benefit of the sheep. How good's that? God knows those who are his own. It says those who surrender to him will have the right or know that they are the family of God how awesome is that when you, you know that you know you don't wake up every day saying am I am I born again am I saved you just know that you know from the day I gave my heart to Jesus I knew that I was born again my head at times would start to wonder well what's the evidence of it but I knew in my spirit that I had eternal life I never doubted that. The outworking of it and the growing and learning to hear his voice, that was a, a growing discipleship journey. But God wants you to know that you know that you are born again, that you belong to him and he is your Savior and Lord and you are his. And then in verse 27 it says, The sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me. So I want to talk today about following Jesus closely, walking with him so you get to know his heart. You get the overflow of his character and nature and presence. You, you, you uh, learn to hear his voice and keep growing in that in our lives. So let's have a look at a few things about following. Number one, follow Jesus closely. Matthew 4.19, and he said to them, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk, and I will make you fishers of men. He was talking to fishermen who had been out catching fish. Great to eat, but smelly to clean, and, and all that sort of stuff, and slimy, and what are you going to do with all the bones and all the other stuff? But it's nice when someone else catches them and cuts them up for you. It's lovely to eat fish. <coughs> he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to help your lives become so effective to change people's lives. The concept of follow can represent three separate possibilities in the early stages of Jesus' ministry. Number one, it could mean walking with him physically, literally, that is merely being in his presence regardless of personal belief <coughs> or commitment. So when Jesus started ministering, it says crowds followed him. You notice in the Gospels, crowds followed him. When he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children, there could have been 15,000 people following him. Mate, some of you get freaked out when you go to the shopping centre and you run into a few people you know and say, are you following me, you know? <laughs> he had 10 or 15,000 of them hanging around following him. That's a huge crowd. And it wasn't always that many, but there were people. Remember, he showed up at the house and it says the crowd was so big they couldn't get in. And so Jesus at times had to withdraw to find some early in the morning or he'd send the disciples across the in the lake and the boat and says, I've got to spend some time with my father. And then the crowds would find him and there'd be people everywhere. So a lot of that crowd followed him because they wanted to see a miracle. 
Some just wanted to get fed. Some wanted to hear the excitement of what he taught and thinking. Then there was others that followed him who became followers of Jesus and disciples. And they think, wow, you're the truth. There's a revelation. This is the truth. Others, the religious people, came to argue with him saying, you don't fit the mold. You can't be the Messiah. And then there was a lot of other curious people, probably somewhere in between, hanging out because their friends were there. It was the cool thing to do was hang out with Jesus. The little boy with the five loaves and two fish, he'd go home and say, wow, you wouldn't believe what happened today with my lunch. And mum says, what happened to your lunch? Wow, let me tell you a story. Mum said, no way, that couldn't happen to your lunch. Or when Jesus rose from the dead, it says all the old saints were walking around the streets of Jerusalem. Mum, you wouldn't believe who I saw today. I talked to Noah and Abraham. Don't tell me that story. But it was true. When Jesus was around, there was never a dull moment. And I pray that there's never a dull moment in your life when you're walking close to Jesus because divine things happen. Opportunities come. People start to say, what's different about you? You say, oh, that never happens in my life. I've found the closer I am to Jesus, a whole lot of things start to happen more often and more regularly. You end up just in a moment of sharing with someone. You start telling a story and someone says, that's exactly where mine life's at. And I want to say, we need to be close to Jesus so there's, a, there's an overflow in our hearts and our lives. So there were people that were walking with him literally. And then there were people who were following him. They were accepting and identifying with the salvation he offered. And later on, they were being identified with him by being subject to the scorn and rejection of unbelievers because of personal belief and commitment to him. So that's when the crowds thinned out, when it became not always popular to be a follower of Jesus. And often we have friends come along, some make responses to Jesus, but when it gets the challenge of living him out in front of their family or their workmates or there's people saying, well, don't be so religious about it, don't be so passionate about it. I don't know how to live any other way because I determined the day I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 17, the day I finished grade 12, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it with all my heart. And there's been challenges along the way and I was fairly shy in those early days. But I've learned if you're going to do something, do it with all your heart. Be consistent about it. Number two, Jesus calls us to follow him immediately, not just to think about it for the next 10 or 15 years. Some of us don't have that long. Matthew 4, 9 and 20 says, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. They didn't sort of say, well, we need to sort this out. We'll see you in six, six months, Jesus. Where will you be in six months and we'll catch up with you? No, follow me. And that doesn't mean we have to go out and sell our business and sell our home. No, but th at that moment they needed to follow him. And it's a response of our heart. Don't put it off. Luke 18, 43 says, Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. This guy got healed, he can see. Well, I mean, Jesus is the first person he's ever seen with his eyes. How awesome is that? You think about that. This guy was blind all his life. The first person he sees in front of him is Jesus, the one who's healed him. Wow, he wanted to follow him all of his life. It reminds me of another story of the guy in the Bible who got set free from legion and all the demons you know he was just a wild man so controlled by darkness when Jesus set him free he says I want to I want to go with you Jesus and Jesus said nope he, he let the blind men who got healed follow him but he says no I want you to go back and tell all your family and friends in the Decapolis 
Decker come means 10. There was 10 towns or villages that he went back and spoke to. He says, I want you to go back and tell your people what I've done. So Jesus didn't let them all physically follow him. He sent this guy back. And if you read the story in the Gospels, a while later, six or 12 months later, when Jesus came through that area again, it says there were crowds from all the 10 towns of Decapolis who came and heard Jesus. Why? Because he'd gone back and told his story. And many became believers and the crowds were huge because he went back and did what Jesus said. I thought, wow. So sometimes God will ask you to do things that don't quite fit your plan or purpose. But if you do it with obedience, you'll see the fruit in his life. So we see them following. Thirdly, follow God wholeheartedly. If you're going to do it with all your heart, just, just run after him. Deuteronomy 1.36 said, Except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, he will see it and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Wow, wholeheartedly. I'm amazed that Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two of their whole generation that heard the promise, that went into the promised land and 40 years later actually entered. They went to Tens of thousands of funerals of all of their mates over those 40 years. All of them died. Can you imagine that? Every time they went to another funeral, thinking, God, when's it going to happen? You promised. We're not giving up on this. That would have been huge. And they were the only two that went in and possessed the promised land. Why? It said he had a different spirit and he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. He wasn't going to get discouraged and let disappointment hold him back from what God had promised for his life. Be passionate about following Jesus in his ways. You don't have to be weird, but just be wholehearted. Be consistent. Let the life of Jesus flow through your soul and you'll be amazed. There's a lot of people in our community looking for someone who's passionate about their convictions and doesn't buckle when things happen. They're looking for Christians who are consistent and who speak and live what they say and pray and do. There's a whole lot of people that will watch you consistently. And they will want to come and be drawn. Um, early this year, a gentleman made a response to Jesus. That was last year. And I met him for years at the Chamber of Commerce. And one day we were chatting, and I hadn't really preached him. I'd prayed in front of him a few times, and he said, I want to come to your church and hear you speak because there's something different about you. That was after quite a few years of just sitting and having breakfast for, with him. And I thought, wow, Lord, you never know what influence your life. They watch how you deal with money. They watch how you treat people. They watch how you handle the disadvantaged. And they see Christ in us. And he made a response to Jesus. And I thank God for that. Follow when it requires sacrifice and endurance. This is when the crowds dropped off, when Jesus started to preach this sort of stuff. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Uh-oh, now there's a challenge. There's a cost to this following Jesus. It's all exciting when there's all benefits and blessings, but there's a cost. Luke 9, 23 says, And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. 
wow, now this, this is where are you a true follower of Jesus. Now that doesn't mean we literally go out and put a couple of bits of wood together and start dragging a cross around the streets tomorrow. Take up your cross. I met a guy who did that, Arthur Blessed. Anyone ever seen or heard Arthur Blessed? Yeah, a few of you did. I saw him in Brisbane. I've read his couple of his books. And God spoke to him after he became a Christian. And he made this huge big cross about three meters long, wide, whatever. And it was heavy. And he started dragging that cross around the world because God said, I want you to use this as a form of evangelism. And then he put a wheel on it after a while because it was just wrecking. All the skin was getting chased off. So he put a wheel on the back and he's dragging this cross around with a wheel. He went all over the world. He did tens of thousands of kilometers. If you Google him and search, I think he's still alive and you'll see his books and stories. And I heard him preach several times in Brisbane. I got stirred because wherever he went, the power of God came. He's had tens of thousands of people come to Christ. He's led many to the Lord personally because they'd come and say, what are you doing? He says, I'm carrying the cross like Jesus told me. What do you mean? So he just preached the gospel. The crowds would come. He's been through the uh, Muslim countries, through communist countries. He's been in just every country on the earth. He's been nearly killed so many times, but God would protect and preserve him. And he's, he's preached to crowds of hundreds of thousands or more that have gathered at events. There'd be a big uh, a supernatural event. He'd walk into the field with his cross, and then they'd try to throw him out, and then the crowd wanted to hear what he had to say, saying, who is this crazy man? Incredible stories. And he carried that cross for so long that he ended up with a permanent um, big indentation. His collarbone changed shape from the weight of dragging that cross all over the world for about 20 years. He literally had the mark of the cross on his body. Now, God doesn't want us to do that, but he did it because that's what God told him, and it was his tool to evangelize. You Google it and check it out, Arthur Blessed. What a name, Arthur Blessed. He had five kids. He used to take his wife and kids on the road with him. And just amazing, amazing stories. But God calls us to carry our cross, which might be the misunderstanding of family. It might be pressure from workplaces. It might be people saying, religious people are sometimes the worst. So hey, It's okay to pray and go to church occasionally, but why do you go every week? And why do you tell people an offer to pray for everyone all the time? Let them ask if they want to, you know. And sometimes religious people are the ones that will try and slow us down and put pressure on us. Let's not be weird or wacky, but let's live our lives close to Jesus and see what fruit comes. And I believe God's stirring us. If we want to see more than we've ever seen, we've just got to be passionate and live for Jesus Christ. Some follow at a distance. Peter, Apostle Peter, the night Jesus got betrayed, betrayed Peter lops off the servant's ear says Jesus you're not going to get you're not going to get crucified we need you chops the ear off of the servant that's come to um, temple guard Jesus reaches down grabs the wriggling bloody ear and puts it back on his head and heals him I mean just just imagine if you were there that's exactly what happened Jesus is getting arrested, going off to face crucifixion and he has compassion for one of the guys who's tried to arrest him because Peter has done something that he shouldn't have done, pulled out the sword when one sword wasn't going to save Jesus. Jesus had compassion for the servant, reached down, put his ear back on and it was totally healed. I mean, that is amazing. That's amazing. So, 10 of the disciples take off. Actually, nine of them, because Judas had betrayed him. 
John followed Jesus closely and Peter followed him from a distance and the other nine, they scattered and said, we're out of here, we don't want to get arrested and die with Jesus. So let's not be too hard on Peter, at least he followed at a distance. But because he followed at a distance in the shadows, listen to what it says, Matthew 26, 58, but Peter followed him at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. Peter ended up in the shadows and he then denied the Lord. He was thinking about himself. And we've all done that. There's been pressure on and sometimes we've sort of only told half the story because we didn't want to face persecution. When we're not real close to Jesus, when we follow him a distance, shadows come and distortions come and things get between us and Jesus. And today... As Rachel shared, he's calling us closer. I want to just walk close to your heart. I want to be close enough to hear your heartbeat and your, your love and compassion for people, your forgiveness and your strength and courage and power and anointing and authority. Lord, I just want to be close enough to have the overflow of that in my heart and life. Because if we end up at a distance, there's a lot of space where a lot of other things can crowd in. Other people's opinions start to drive us. Our own self-preservation, like Peter, starts to take over. Instead of being willing to take up our cross, follow him, even if there's a personal cost. And there's still many countries in the world where people die for their faith. I've been to Vietnam. I've been to India. I've been there and prayed with some of the pastors. I remember the first time I went to Vietnam, I was praying with pastors that had spent 20 years of their life in jail just because they were followers of Jesus. I mean, I was weeping. And the pastor I was with says, I want you to pray and prophesy. And I said, mate, I need them to be praying for me because I'm feeling quite carnal hanging out with these guys. And some of them had broken bones and distorted bodies because they'd been hung in prison cells and yet they were still going out as soon as they got out of prison and preached the gospel and raising up churches. I thought, Lord, these guys understand what this means to another level. And I've been there in India with pastors that have been beaten for their faith. And I think, God, I don't want to go through that. But I'm going to follow you closely, even if there is a cost. And God says, hey, stand up for me. Stand up. Don't be ashamed of me. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you with my Father in heaven. I said, God, don't let me ever have to do that. And we've all had some stumbles along the way. I just feel God say, hey, come closer. Philippians 3.17 says, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. In other words, follow people who are closely following God. That's why we're part of a church. That's why we're part of youth groups and life groups and prayer teams and and, uh, ministry teams because when we're hanging out with others doing it, it's a lot more fun and there's a whole team to do it. You don't have to be a loner. Don't be a loner saying, well, I'm just following you. It's me and Jesus. No, it's... You and Jesus and the body of Christ doing this together. The enemy will try and separate you. You'll get offended and you'll say, you pull back. God's drawing us in, not away. He's saying, let's do this together as a church, as the body of Christ, and let's see what he'll do for his glory. And I believe God's saying, follow me. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow Christ, the example of Christ. I've learned to be a good leader. You've got to be a good follower. I didn't set out to pastor a church. I just set out to follow Jesus and to help in the youth group and to help in church and do whatever. And 
as I followed him and was willing to keep following him, I realized that God was trusting me to become a leader. And I had to become a leader of a youth group and young people were following me. Mate, I was a scary youth leader. I used to teach him, if you don't read your Bible, you can't have breakfast. I used to get stuck into him, you know. You need to pray at least an hour a day. Mate, I would have been a really scary youth leader to have, but we had some pretty switched on young people for Jesus and quite a few of them ended up becoming missionaries and pastors or whatever. <laughs> but I was so passionate as a 19 or 20-year-old. Mary Lynn's laughing because she was in the youth group there and thinking, yep. <laughs> I thought, if you're going to do this, let's do it 110%. And that's why I've lived all my life that way. And I've realized people follow. And God says, okay, if you're going to be diligent, I'm going to keep trusting you. And I've ended up pastoring church. By the time I was 29, I was pastoring a church. I think, how on earth did this happen? We didn't set out to be a leader. But I've learned if you're a good follower, God will often trust you and others will start to follow your example as you follow Christ. I heard one guy say, if you think you're a leader, turn around and see if anyone's following. If there's no one following, you're just taking a long walk. <laughs> That's true. So let's, let's follow Jesus and God will often have other people touched by your life and example and they'll be drawn to go after God as well. Follow his written prophetic word. Follow the way of love. I love this. 1 Corinthians 14. 1, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Ephesians 5, 1 says, Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Wow. What comes in between us and Jesus? Sometimes it's fear, it's other people's opinions or pressures. What about God's apparent silence? Wow. I remember one time... Before we came to this church, we were in between churches and, and for two years, God did not speak to me about that part of my life. He kept encouraging me and flowing through me. But for two years, he was silent on that area. And I said, God, what, why aren't you speaking to me about our future and our direction? He says, I just want to make sure you're doing what I, the last direction I gave you. So we just had to keep walking by faith in the last direction he gave us, which was now two years ago. And then one day it all started to happen and the, the next season opened up and we end up coming and pastoring here. We get frustrated when God's silent. It's not because he wants you to push away. He wants you to pull in closer. Because if God whispers, you've got to get close. When someone's whispering and the television's on and the mobile phone's gone, you've got to real, get real close to hear. There's a few people here you've been wondering, well, God, I'm not quite sure what's that. He's just letting you get draw in close to listen to his whisper. Because when you do that, one day it'll all get clearer. Press into him. Trust him. Wow. Follow him even when it doesn't make sense. And to wrap it up today, I love that story of Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. John 21 is a story where Jesus risen from the dead and he... Peter and the guys are out fishing. They're not catching anything. He says, go out deeper. Throw it on the other side. Next minute they got all this fish and then John says, it's Jesus. Peter jumps off the boat, runs in, lets the other guys do the hard work and bring all the fish in. Peter was connecting with Jesus. Jesus already cooking fish on the, boat, on the beach. I wonder where he caught his fish. He probably just said, fishy, come here. Jumped on the barbie. I don't know how he did it, but <laughs> I don't think he was out slaving all night. 
So they bring their fish. And the amazing thing is Jesus said, bring some of your fish too. Jesus is already cooking fish. He says, bring some. I love it because God wants us to bring to the table who we are and what we can do. He doesn't do it just all for us. He says, use the gifts and time and talents I've given you. Let's, let's do this together. And so then Jesus does the classic thing and says, Peter, do you love me? Three times. Jesus said, yes. Peter said, oh, yes, I love you. So he, three times he wanted Peter to declare because he denied him three times. God will always restore. When we stumble or deny or struggle, God loves us so much. He just calls us closer. So I know your heart's hurting. Just keep walking until it gets clearer. I feel God really saying that just heart to heart for some people here. They just keep walking. Don't pull back, but just pull in and love me and trust me. It'll get clearer. And then he said this, Beautiful words. After he'd restored, Peter says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, restored his mission. Then he said these incredible words, John 21, 19. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death for which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. After all of that, he said, follow me. As the worship team comes, if you follow Jesus, what follows you? Hopefully people getting closer to Jesus. If you follow Jesus, what else will happen? The Bible says, Mark 16, 20, And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord worked with them in confirming the word with signs following. I pray that there's some signs and wonders follow your life, the supernatural, the spirit of God, healing and setting people free because you're following close to Jesus. What else will follow you? This is the last one. Psalm 23, 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow, when we're walking close to Jesus, His goodness and love and mercy will follow you. The New Living Translation and several translations say that word follow can also be translated pursue. So God pursues you to pour out His love and mercy over your life. That changes the whole dynamic, isn't it? It's not only He's following us as we follow Him. It says, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord. A beautiful thought. When you're feeling unworthy and when you feel like you've just lost it or your, your trust has just been damaged by people and situations and disappointments, Jesus will be on the beach just like he was with Peter and calling you back. As Mary Lynn had that word on the beach, the tide's coming back in. When you think it's all lost or it's just too hard, we have days or seasons like that. Don't give up. Just let your heart press in a little bit closer. Jesus, I need to hear your voice again. Lord, I need to feel your love again. Lord, I want to be filled up so I can then share with others who are looking to my life through this journey. There's some people in this place today and God has called you to be a leader and others are already following you, but at times you stumble and you're not consistent in your leadership call. The Spirit of God's giving you a word of encouragement today. Be consistent because there's people following your example and let's do it the best we can.
He's called you and empowered you. Let's stand in His presence today. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.